Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everyone and welcome to Three Men in Milan, an unofficial AC Milan and Serie A podcast. I'm Andy and coming up today we'll cast an eye over the first game of the season away at Sampdoria. We'll look at Serie A's action-packed opening weekend before finally looking ahead to the first home game of the season with fans at the San Siro next week. Before all of that let me introduce my video assistant referees. Say hello Jack. Hello. And say hello John. Hello. Right then, I'll come to you first, and Jack. Um, did you enjoy the Rossoneri being back? How did they fare for you in the opening encounter? I, I did enjoy it, yeah. It's, uh, it's been a long summer without football, all those, what, three weeks or whatever it was. Um, the first half, I thought Milan were much better than in the second half. I think they started very brightly, had a Sandor on the back foot, had a good few chances, including the goal, which we'll get on to. Um, then second half, it seemed to be kind of mirrored Milan's season last year, really. They kind of sat back and uh, soaked up a bit of pressure. They were happy for Sampdoria to have the ball, which invited um, pressure and gave Sampdoria chances, unfortunately. Um, but a win's a win. So, uh, and Sampdoria is not an easy place to go to. So happy with the, to start with three points, especially when a, a certain team elsewhere did not. Indeed, well, we'll talk. We'll talk about how everyone else got on in the second part of the show. As um, as usual, John, the atmosphere was it was pumping, wasn't it? And M- Milan were playing really well in this opening. What 15, 20 minutes? It looked it looked really up for it, bouncing off the uh, Sampdoria crowd. Definitely, and and the traveling traveling Milanese as well. Um, I thought I, I'll be honest. I, I early stages in that game, I was fully expecting expecting or hoping. Um, Milan to just go out and, and put down a statement result, um, come away with three or four goals and, and, a, and a solid a solid win. Um, Liao looked lively down the left hand side and running in behind. I think Giroud did really well drawing attention and, and creating space for uh, for Liao and for Diaz as well. And it it did look uh, like we were going to run away with it and, and really dominate. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't get that second goal. Um, and as Jack said, in the second half, uh, Sam really came back into it, but did uh, showed great professionalism, great strength, and, and defended really well. The substitutions, um, whilst arguably a little bit on the timid side, really helped strengthen us up and, and see out the game. Uh, Florenzi getting some minutes and Romagnoli as well to, to hold on. And in the end, I don't really think Sam had any like guilt edge chances that that I think we were. That would make me think we were lucky to come away with three points tonight. So, yeah, all in all, I think uh, a good first outing. Not quite as good as I'd hoped right off the bat, but but yeah, still still pretty solid. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Like as well with the um, uh, with the way Milan started as well. It's almost like you kind of you don't want to poo poo like away away win first time Samp have had fans in. God knows how long, and obviously they're up for it. But it did feel like they should have done. A bit better with all that opening pressure they had. Jack, what do you think? Yeah, agreed. I think um, we were watching the game together and we talked about um, how uh, that final pass was missing quite a lot. And um, sometimes the pass still came, but it was two or three touches too late. And it's just those margins which were costing Milan. Um, well, not so much costing, but I mean, it, at times you, you saw the chances and the breakaways or, or the chance to have a chance, as it were. 
um, and they were wasted and it could have been, I don't know, three or four if those chances had been taken. There were times Diaz, I think, especially as, as happy as, as I was, he got a goal. Um, he took too many touches when their passes to release players quite a few times, which was disappointing. Yeah, he, yeah, Diaz is a weird one, isn't he? Because he's, he's got so much quality and he shows it. And of course, he gets the goal here as well. So I suppose we should talk about that in that... In the, it wasn't really too much to do with him, though. In, in a way, it was um, <laughs> right the... place, right time, I guess. But um... yeah, but it's at the, at the same point. It's well, it's, it's I suppose it's the benefit of one goalkeeper in Big Mike with a great clearance upfield. But the goalkeeping from Odero was just oh, you'd be apoplectic, wouldn't you, if that was um, <laughs> if that if if that was the other way round, we'd be absolutely like. Spitting feathers, wouldn't we? It was terrible goalkeeping. It sneaks in the left corner, but it was all well, Milan I mean, deserved after that first ten minutes. It, it was. They, they, the chances they created. This was arguably um, one of the better ones, but certainly not the best one. And and Diaz, the the balls cut back to him from Calabria on the byline, and maybe take maybe bobbling towards him, and and he's just tried to get over the ball, which he does do really well. Keeps it down, drives it along the ground, and. Um, Unfortunately, it's straight into the middle of the goal, but for for whatever reason, Odero falling to his to his right um, can only parry the ball into the bottom corner. So I think it's um, I think it's one of those where the keeper feels he has to gamble because the ball is going to come at him so quick, or at least he expects it will, and so he's preparing to dive, and in the end, it's right under him. So instead of being ready with the feet, um, he's already halfway through his dive motion, and it's almost too close to his body in that sense um, to kind of get a good. Control, controlled save on it or a controlled glove on it. Um, I mean, there's still. I'm, I'm, I'm being kind to him here. He still should have saved it. Um, but I think that's probably what kind of went through his head. I've got to dive across to my post because he's got half a goal to aim for, and uh, it's gone right next to where his feet should be. Ultimately, yeah. Some. Um, I think you are being kind. <laughs> <laughs> it's really poor keeping, but I mean, it was the pressure was obviously told from Milan, and they were well worth their lead. Um, so a quick word about um, Big Mike. Full debut today, competitive uh, debut for him. And, um, well, his distribution was top class for me. And also he made that really, really impressive double save in the first half as well, which was probably Samp's best chance in the end. I know that they hit the bar with that free kick, but I think that was more... That was He had that covered, so I don't really count that. But Well, well he tipped it onto the bar, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I think he got a slight touch on that. Um, but I was impressed with him. Like you say, his distribution was fantastic. It's what set up the first goal. Um, it could have set up uh, the actual Leal. first goal <laughs> if Leal had yeah. taken his chance. Um, but he, he did that time and time again. I think he's got one of those kicks which is just so, so long um, and he can produce it time and time again. Uh, it's not quite Edison yet. It's not quite as accurate. There are a few times where he just wasn't in the right spot. But um, he's uh, he's got a hell of a foot on him. It's quite a difference, really, because I mean, I always thought, uh, I always thought number ninety-nine, shall we call him? Was um, I always thought he was okay with his feet? You know, I you didn't can call him bench warmer because that's what he is at the moment. <laughs> we, he, he seemed, he seemed okay, um, and I never, I never really saw it as an issue, especially when we're trying to build out from the back. Um, but in hindsight, it never went more than like sort of ten, fifteen yards around the penalty area, and, and seeing. Big Mike deliver those balls into the channels, balls in behind. I mean, it just adds a whole other dimension. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Sam Dory were pushing up. They are stopping the short goal kicks, and that meant there was space behind. And when you have Leal, who is as rapid as he is. But that, that um, first chance you mentioned there, you know, the, the Sam line was almost on the halfway line. And, and Leal, I mean, he, he's kind of tried to hold his run a little bit, which obviously you don't need to do for a goal kick, but... There's acre, like there's there's half the pitch that he's got free to run into, and the fact that Mike can reach that just gives that that extra thought for the the defending team to think about, it, which opens up space in the middle of the park if they've got to press the short free kick, but also cover the long uh, short goal kick. Sorry, but yeah. also cover the long one. They can't they can't do all three. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So so that's another string to the bow, and and will help us in terms of building attacks going forward. Yeah, I, absolutely. It's something I hadn't even considered from him I didn't know it was part of his game I knew it was a decent shot stopper as he showed today and in pre-season but I didn't know that was part of his game and it's going to be really I mean just think of the height of some of those players as well like obviously Giroud Ibrahimovic like Liao's not not small 
either. So it's going to be, um, uh, and obviously Kessie's got a bloody leap on him as well, isn't he? Mm. So <laughs> it's going to be really, really helpful in a number of situations, counter-attack it, and also just take the pressure off the defence if you're up against it in Europe or something. Mm. You can boot it long, have Liao chase the ball and just keep it in the corner for a little bit. He's seen very... He seemed very calm on the ball as well. There are times when the ball was passed back to him with a player kind of running towards him and he'd take a touch and take that player out of the game because that player would be trying, kind of trying to close him down but from a route that cuts off the pass back to that player. So he'd feign the pass back to him and, and then go the other way. Um, it's just composure like that which you kind of take for granted sometimes. Yeah, Not, not as calm as... Um... Our friend Teo Hernandez, though, in, probably, <laughs> in, in in probably his only mistake of the game, which is a nice thing to say. That was um, uh, a little bit too nonchalant for my liking with that one. But, um, yeah, and for my blood pressure as well. <laughs> <laughs> but he was making those trademark runs again, wasn't he? On a different day, he's he's got a brace, isn't he? I think the way he was bombing forward down that left. He's such an asset going forward, isn't he? Definitely, definitely. And it, it's one of the things... It, it, teams are going to start to prepare for it and start to be wary of it, but I think this is where we need a bit of um, fluidity in, in terms of our setup and, and our attack, um, in terms of having enough attackers occupying the opponents to create space for Taylor to drive forward. He, he's brilliant in transition. When when he picks up the ball um, whilst the opponents are, are pressing up high, he's got a knack of just being able to find that route through them and driving forward and getting us up the pitch, which is fantastic, and I never want to take that away from him. Um, the issue is obviously the cover, which today uh, there was a few times, especially in the first half, when I thought we were quite exposed on that side, but Sam didn't take advantage of it. I don't think Krunic was as good at getting across to cover it as Kessie is, um, but it's definitely something we need to be more aware of if we are going to be looking at some rotation in those pivots uh, and not having Kessie in there. That I think um, needs to be aware of, of Teo's advancement. I think Tonali covered the ground a lot today as well. I'd be interested to yeah. see how many kilometers he ran. But um, we've discussed it as well in the game. Like the four-two-three-one just doesn't seem to be the information anymore. It seems to be very easy to counter that and break that down. I think a four-three-three. We were saying it last year. Four-three-three. Four-three-three with um, Tonali, Kessie, and Benacer. I'd be very excited about that. I think those three between them have all the attributes you could want to boss a midfield. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And I think Tonali showed, particularly in this game, when uh, Benacer came on, I thought he improved. Um, because obviously with Krunic there, you've you've not got that security, whereas obviously Benacer is a much more accomplished player. And I thought towards the back end of the game, I thought Tonali was significantly better. Um, I, I mean, generally, I thought he had a fantastic game, game overall. I thought he really, kept, really helped keep play ticking over. And, uh, and and was also quite useful in uh, in recycling possession. But as you say, with Kessie as a holder, I think having Tonali and Benacer together, it, it kind of frees them up to be a bit more forward thinking, and and that could produce some some different problems. There's also then the potential for Kessie to drop in and form a back three, which allows the the fullbacks to get forward. Yeah, kind I of think bring um... the forwards inside the inside the the wide players inside to play and support the striker. So yeah, whilst whilst Tonali isn't. Uh, absolute fucking brick shit house. Um, I think he can do the job that Kessie does as well in, co- in terms of covering the yards. He is. Uh, there were times where he was playing left centre back. I remember seeing him take the yeah. ball off the keeper, and t- um, Tamori was almost a left back. And Lord knows how far Hernandez was at the pitch. Actually, we all know how far Hernandez was at the pitch. Um, but he he does that well, and he picked up the ball. He dictated the play. He started the moves and everything. Um, I think in terms of them working as a three um, two can go and one can sit and I think Benesse will probably be the one who I didn't want to sit in any given occasion um, he can still do the job but nowhere near as well as Kessie or um, Tonali in my view um, but I think uh, Kessie can certainly add stuff going forward as well um, in a move so uh, Tonali can sit instead um, I think that dynamism that they have as a three if they were to play together would just mean the opposition don't know which one to pick up because which one's going to go you know yeah, I, I I agree with everything you've just said there. I, um, especially with Benacer, I wouldn't like him sitting. He's much more forward thinking, yeah, isn't he? I don't know whether he would. Um, he's also not very. He's not particularly physical either, is he? So he um, could get bullied off the ball. But let's take a look at the, the other new signings that made an appearance. Then was um, Giroud in from the start as uh, everyone expected. 
he was um feeding off scraps a little bit, John, wasn't he? It wasn't um it wasn't the bombast we expected from him, no. but he led the line well and obviously uh He's a, he's kind of a, he's a bit of a streaky player, wasn't he? He was in London, really. He sort of, he would just be that well, seven out of ten, and then he would score a hat trick three games in a row, sort of thing. I, I think like that. I, I think the way the match broke down, um, I don't think was necessarily suited to him. We didn't we didn't have we didn't play very direct. Um, there was a lot of sort of deep build up um, and long range shooting from us. He um, he won more aerial duels than anyone else on the pitch, so he he. Did his job up there. He was winning, um, winning balls. He won uh, nine offensive aerials in the game, which is more than anyone else. So you know, like he he did well at, at that target man role. But unfortunately, I, I feel like a lot of those wins were quite deep and were in the middle third of the pitch, as opposed to being in the penalty area. Um, numerous occasions we worked the ball into wide areas, and and we're looking to then pull back to the edge or work the ball back and, and recycle it and move through the middle uh, or the far side. So it, it wasn't really his game per se, like the, the style for his style of play, but for, he did what he did very well, I thought. And, and I certainly would, um, I wouldn't put him as one of our poorer performers or, or in any way um, one, of, one of the lesser performances within the team. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I think he did well. I think as well, when we did get into those wide areas, um, and again, I think we talked about this during the game, the amount of times Calabria would blaze the ball out for a goal kick or whatever, he's usually a, a very adept crosser of the ball, but um, tonight he wasn't just he just wasn't getting them in correctly. Um, and I think that played a part in Giroud not having the chances that he thrives on. Um, the other op- opportunity I remember um, when he was eventually given offside, but it didn't look like he was on the replays, um, he did peel off the defender well and had a chance to volley in off his left foot. Um, but I think he just misjudged the flight of the ball a little. Um, but that was good movement from him. There, there were flashes, but um, yeah, I think I agree with John there. It wasn't quite his game um, with the lack of crossing coming in. I think that's really where he'll he'll thrive. Yeah, talk, talking of wide areas, I suppose we should mention the, the final new arrival of the... Um, uh, to, I don't think he... First time we've probably mentioned on the pod. That's official. Florenzi now on season-long loan. Looks like he's going to be permanent player. I think it's quite a um, small amount. That is the uh, the option to to buy. And him came on with a little cameo performance. Fifteen minutes to go. He um, didn't do anything particularly uh, impressive. Didn't do anything wrong. Well, I'll be honest. I'm I'm not entirely sure he touched the ball. Did he? I don't. I, I he he played nine minutes, but um, I I can't really remember him having. A, any real involvement, but um, at that I think point I, we were sort of backs against the wall a little bit. I think I saw him take a throw in. <laughs> Wasn't a foul throw, so a hundred percent success at that. Onto a winner. Onto a winner. <laughs> well, in in those nine minutes, he was asked to play attacking right wing and right wing back. So uh, was, I suppose he's still already. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, from the nine minutes we did see, I think he's probably lacking match fitness. Um, Probably a little bit of an understatement because I can't remember the last time he played played a full game because he got injured during the Euros, didn't he? Yeah. So that's why he wasn't in the, the Italy team. But I think if we just talk about his signing in, in general, it's almost perfect, really, when you think about it. An experienced head, full international, incredibly versatile, covers a problematic area, which is right back or no Calabria's had his injury problems playing through the pain last season as well so and he covers Salamakas as well at a push on right wing I wouldn't like to see it particularly but it's a good pickup John isn't it it really adds to the the improving depth of the squad something they really struggled with last year with the Covid affected campaign 100% 100% I mean if, if you look at Florenzi's career he's played um, a significant proportion of his games uh, at right back, also a significant proportion central midfield, and it, again quite quite a significant proportion at right wing. So it's not a case of oh he can play there, he's played there, you know, in the past. He, he's played good good chunks of of his career at these positions, so he knows them. Um, he's clearly got the quality um, to be flexible. He, he spent however many years at Roma, um, a long time at Roma, and then he's also had the experiences abroad with Valencia and uh, and PSG. He's been around winners and title winners. You know, he went obviously at PSG last year and then with Italy in the Euros. He he brings that that winning mentality, which aside from Zlatan, I think we've we've really lacked. Um, 
and I think with the likes of uh, of Florenzi coming in and Giroud coming in, um, it's it's just going to bring that you know that winning, like I said, that winning mentality, that that knowledge of what it takes to win a tournament and win a win a trophy, and help instill that in our younger players, um, which which can only be can only be a good thing. And as you say, economically, like a million loan fee and like five plus one redemption um, as an option initially. Um, obviously, it turns to an obligation under certain conditions, according to, to to various reports. But it's good value. It's good value for a, a, a fullback who, you know, whilst he's probably coming towards the end of his prime, you'd probably say for a defender. But he still offers plenty, plenty, and it, he'll be a fantastic addition to the squad, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with that. And I think probably a conversation for a different day. But I wonder whether we need to start like, reevaluating when primes of players and how long careers of players can go on for because obviously Definitely. with like modern sports science and stuff they just seem to keep going and going and going and I know everybody used to be like 35 and that was it but I mean like the amount of people you see playing well into their late 30s now of course you've got Zlatan with Milan and you've got Pandeva at Genoa <laughs> Yeah. Who's is still going? Quacky Rally tonight. Who must be in his late thirties, thirty-eight, thirty-nine. Yeah, I mean, like, I wonder whether, like, the average, like, retiring age of a player is not isn't thirty-five now. It's more like thirty-eight, thirty-nine. But I suppose we'll we'll see as it goes on. Um, just uh, quickly before we um finish this uh, first section, listeners, and go to a break. We've um transfer news is that we look like we're going to bring in. Bakayoko is going to come back on a loan from Chelsea to fill in that third, no, fourth, excuse me, rotation at defensive midfield, which is um, considering Kessie will be off at Africa Cup of Nations. It's a good move. And they've also got the young Italian Pellegri coming in as a rotation option up front from Monaco. Bearing that in mind then, Jack, do you see this squad as complete now? With those two, let's be, they could fall apart, but our friend Fabrizio says that they're done. So, <laughs> so they're done. He's right about everything, isn't he? Um, yeah. Do you see this squad as complete now, or do you still think in the week they've got to go that they need to do a bit of work, they need to focus on one main target, or they need to there need to be three, four additions still? Um, everything you mentioned there I like, and I think that finishes those positions that those two are filling. I think perhaps the wide attacking areas uh, could do with, um, I think, possibly quality, not necessarily depth. I mean, Salamakas was very solid and very dependable last year. Um, Liao has played on the left wing tonight. Um, Rebic will probably get some time there as well. Uh, I'm not too sure who, who else would fit into the rotation there. Obviously, Samu on the right. Um, God, God, no, please, no. Um, <laughs> But I think uh, I think quality wise, I think they're a bit light there. I think on the left side, you're playing strikers on a wing, um, just because they have pace, which isn't necessarily the right thing to do. They don't necessarily have a complete understanding of that position and what they have to do. Um, right side, I'd be fine if Salimak has played there for the season, um, but I I would like to see some real quality there. Um, I think more assists and more goals need to come from those two positions, and than than are currently coming from them. But other than that, I'm happy with everything at the back. And if we get back a Yoko in midfield, that's fine by me. Um, if he persists in the 4-2-3-1, maybe a number 10 back up to Diaz or even a starter, um, we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, those wide areas for me are the main ones. Yeah, I mean, they've been heavily linked with a lot of players, John, haven't they? But the ones that do in the rounds at the moment are um, Bernardo Silva, which, let's be honest, would be unbelievable, but I think I very difficult. That's next level signing. That is, I, I, I think it's largely been reported by the English press as opposed to the Italian press. So I, I, I think it's, it's more a case of um, journalists clutching at straws as opposed to genuine rumours. Unfortunately, but that would definitely elevate us, elevate us to the next level. To be honest, I think he would elevate any club in the world. I think it's that good. Uh, yeah, I can't believe man, he must be pushing for that move because. There's no way Man City want to get think, him, surely. He, I think he is. I think Pep, Pep said um, during an interview a week or two ago, um, there's um, four or five players that are pushing to leave City, uh, Bernardo being the one that he named. Um, but then there's also rumours around the likes of Laporte and stuff. But um, but the, I mean, the, the deal talked about is is the is the sort of deal that I think Milan would 
go for and would possibly be able to finance uh, in terms of a two-year loan with a fairly decent loan fee and and then a lower option than than perhaps what City were uh, were looking for, or even an um, option under condition. Um, but as as you know, as you say, the the main positions we need are that number ten and that right wing, and he's a world class player that ticks both boxes. So you know, I'd I'd be one hundred percent for going for that, and then really pushing on and trying to trying to do something with this squad. Yeah, p- perhaps more. Uh, what's the word? Realistic is the links with uh, is it Pablo Sarabia at uh, PSG. Obviously, they're looking to clear out any wages they can, so they can um, well, so they can pay Lionel Messi. Uh, essentially, <laughs> and, and obviously, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he uh, like obviously Sarabia plays right wing. And number ten, so he's yeah. probably not going to get picked very much anymore, uh, considering who they've just signed there. And uh, I'm not sure he um, he's been playing a huge amount anyway, has he for PSG? I, he had a very good um, Euros. Uh, he he did very well for um, for Spain in the Euros. So he, he's well, one who I certainly wouldn't be averse to um, to picking. We've up. been burnt by Spanish wingers before. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, another one be a good idea. Just looking at his pace now, he managed 40 appearances in. 19, 20, 37 in 2021, and he's had two so far this season, both in the league, and he's scored, actually. So, um, he's actually, they're both sub-appearance, and he's played a yeah. cumulative 21 minutes this season. Yeah, I imagine a lot of those last season, and this mm. season before, probably were as well, but yeah. yeah. Half well, and um, half, by the looks of it. We'll, we'll see which of these deals materialise. We'll, we'll have a big review of the transfer window Probably not next week because we've got the Champions League group stage coming up. But the week after that, in, before in the international break, we'll, uh, we'll have a proper rundown of um, any business Milan have done uh, since the window closed, and also probably just look at uh, movement around the league in in general then as well. Um, right then, listeners, talking of uh, the league, we'll take a break now and we'll come back and we'll look at a um, well a poor. Disciplined Serie A weekend with no <laughs> less than eight red cards. I think only in like three games though, so some bad tempers affairs, but we'll get into that in a minute. Another on. slip from Sam Calabria to tee it up. Comedy of errors from the home side and Brahim Diaz gives Milan a soft, soft lead, but it's one. Welcome back everyone. You listen to Three Men in Milan, and I've just been informed by my astute colleague. There was only seven red cards. You called me a pedantic bastard in the break. Now I'm (laughs) I'm an astute colleague. (laughs) You know what you are. (laughs) But as we said, Hakan should have had a red card for being a snake. So that's why it should have been eight. But seven red cards um, over the first uh, match day in, um, yeah, you could tell some players had, uh, Forgotten their manners over the summer break because <laughs> some of those some of the challenges were horrendous. Like the one with from, I think the second red for Bologna was pretty terrible. That sliding challenge, and Miguel Veloso's stamp as well was a wasn't the uh, wasn't the best. But I suppose um, I mean what what would you say the, I mean should we get it out out of the way? It was the curtain raiser of the season. Inter smashed. Genoa four 0 at home, and despite what you might think from their fans and from the Italian press, it was a good performance. But they're not the reincarnation of the nineteen seventy Brazil side. <laughs> they smashed a very poor Genoa team. Well, um, I mean, they were they were diabolically poor def- defensively, weren't they, gents? To be honest, it was it was almost embarrassing. Yeah, I, I didn't feel like Genoa offered anything. It says here they had four shots on target, but I can't remember a single one of them. Um, for Inter's part, they were strong. They um, they were good on the ball. They created plenty of chances. Um, unfortunately, the snake had a good game. But as you said, when it happened, that's his that's his one done for the season. Um, so hopefully that's him done. But um, yeah, a strong start for them, which is a little ominous. Um, I did think after predicting they'd finish fifth last week, and it's going to sound like oh yeah, whatever. No, but you've seen them. I did think uh, maybe I was a little harsh on them. They. Whilst they've lost Lukaku, they still have the spine of a strong squad with Martinez still there and, and that strong midfield and strong defence and Handanovic in goal. Um, but let's hope that there's, that's the last 4-0 they get this year. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, think, I think defensively, fair enough, they're, they're very good, but... I got Jekka will struggle against better defenses. Yeah, I, I, I think to be honest, and like, well, you'll you'll be a, the authority on this, John, having watched him for all four years in Milan. But this is what Hakan does, doesn't he? He has the oh look at me, and then doesn't do it again for six months, and then says oh look at me again. Have time his contract renewal time, <laughs> or it. not, exactly. as the case may be for Milan. <laughs> exactly, exactly that. It's this. This is his, and I'm not saying this will be the only one. I'm sure maybe he'll have two or three good games or whatever. But as soon as the the pressure's on, I, I'm fully confident he'll wilt and he'll uh, he'll just sink back into the background and you know start to become a passenger in the game. Just, I mean, as we saw for for two and a half years of his four at Milan, he was anonymous and poor, and then he really turned it on. When, as you say, that that contract was coming up, he was getting towards the the twelve months remaining, and knew he needed to try and earn that deal. Um, and then he wasn't happy with being offered what was a very fair contract, and decided to jump ship. But I, I agree completely what you say. Within to defensively, they're still strong. They they have the same defense as last year, ultimately. But they've made several downgrades in attack, and I think that will will become more apparent against stronger opposition. I mean, Matteo, Matteo Damian played the game. I know Dumfries is due to due to come in, but when you're looking at the likes of Damian and Perisic as, as wing-backs, and, and I mean, I think the formation was effectively a 3-6-1 um, due to that lack of, you know, lack of attacking force, really. Then they're not the team they were last year. Um, and whilst I do think they're, you know... I, They'll, they'll certainly be in and around the top four, whether they're just inside or just outside. I think they'll still do well, but I, they're not they're not Syria contenders in the way they were last year, in my opinion. No, agreed. And uh, Genoa uh, do better, I would say, for that because it was um, it wasn't great for your fans to see that on their return to the stadium. That's that's for sure. Um, let's move on then to more title contenders in um, Juventus, who were held away from home. By their own goalkeeper, um, <laughs> who is um. Uh, I mean, first of all, let's clear one thing up. There seems to be a lot of discourse around Ronaldo's late winner, which was ruled out for offside, being a ridiculous VAR decision. I mean, let's not be around the bush. It was, it was, he was offside, right? He was offside. Yeah. Don't yeah. need to say anything more. He was offside. No. Okay. I mean, it's 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 <laughs> it's the one rule in football, which is. Black Not or subjective. white, black and white, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Agreed. Okay, now onto the more hilarious stuff. <laughs> Wolchek Chesney, and I mean, my favourite was the penalty. So, does anyone would anyone like to make a case for the ridiculous, like I suppose, De Maria style scoop he tried to do to clear the ball? <laughs> I mean, I, end, I'm a, like, I am a, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of goalkeepers trying to dribble past attackers. Um, and I mean that was up there with the best of attempts that have hilariously failed. Um, I like that one in the the fact that they tried to get it disallowed for offside, um, despite the fact that I think Delafeo was significantly behind the play when it when it happened. But um, I'll plump for that one. Although the penalty was hilarious just for how slow he was to get up, having made a really poor save and parried the ball into his own penalty area. Yeah, um, just awful. He obviously doesn't have a contract renewal coming up anytime soon. Um, <laughs> just shocking. I, I'm glad they didn't get Donnarumma. He had been linked, but uh, they might regret that this season. But I think he's one of the weakest, if not the weakest, point in that Juventus team. 
I'm sure I saw a stat that um, I don't think Juventus have kept a clean sheet in something like 13 or 14 games in Serie A. When you think yeah, of the like, defence... It's like February, yeah. It's, it's ages, isn't it? When you think of that, the two centre-backs they have who've just had a fantastic Euros. Yeah, well, people like coo about them as being like the epitome of... What did Mourinho call them? Like If there was a, a class in defence, it should be taught by Chiellini or something like that. Well, Maldini might... Say something yeah, about say, that. But... I was going to say there's a, there's a decent class going on at this, um, Milan, to be honest, with them, uh, with Maldini in the past and stuff. But yeah, it's um, crazy how poor that defence is. I mean, but we'll, we'll move on and talk about Mourinho now in a minute. But he's got competition, Chesney. They haven't got a kid on the bench. They've got Pera, who is international caliber goalkeeper. You can Allegri can swap them out. Couldn't he really? I mean, he won't do straight away, you'd imagine. But if he makes a couple of mistakes in the next few weeks, like he's well, going to lose his spot, isn't he? The next games at home against Empoli might be the perfect one to do the switch. No pressure. Well, there's always going to be pressure as a keeper, um, especially at the clubs at the top end of the league. But he's a. Uh, it's if there's one game you'd be happy to give a dev- debut in, it'd be that one. Yeah, it's um, uh, funny the way. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's weird actually when you think about it in, in general. The the keepers at some of the top clubs in Italy, they're not of great pedigree, other when you think about it. I mean, Reina's getting on at Lazio, like Roma, they've got a good keeper now, but they hadn't done for years, particularly Atalanta have never have never had an amazing standout keeper. Obviously, Milan have always had, well, for the last decade, they've had pretty good keepers, but even then, I suppose, there was a period oh, of iffiness. Gigi Took it took a while to come good. Remember, he's played since he was sixteen. He's twenty two now, but certainly in his earlier teenage years, he wasn't you know as proficient as he is now. I don't think Roma have had a good keeper since Allison left. Um, and and Atalanta famously have been very attacking, but as you say, they've never never really had strong goalkeeping candidates. Well, Napoli Ro- as well. Napoli yeah, Napoli. Have a good keeper. Roma, I think I heard in the commentary during that game that I think they've had seven different keepers since Allison left, and that was only what three years ago, maybe four mm. now. But um, I think Rui Patricio is a really good one, but he's 33. He hasn't got, I don't know, what, five, six years ahead of him? Yeah, no, yeah he's, he's got steel, but for the I think the amount they paid for him, it's not it's not breaking the bank amount, is it? But it's... Um, no, but they needed it. Their, oh, definitely, definitely. And, you know, Roma have got solid centre-backs, but that Colquinton position is hamstrung, and particularly when you know Marante is, is not a million miles away from the starting lineup at any one time. Yeah, I mean, like Rome picked up... A good three points on um, on big money Mourinho's debut. He's box office, and um, this their new star man, Tammy Abraham, was fantastic. Let's be honest, gents. He really enjoyed that spotlight on him, didn't he? Two two assists, could have scored as well. Yeah, he hit the bar of a header, didn't he? He hit the ground quite theatrically as well to get the (laughs) goalkeeper sent off. Yeah, some uh, well, yeah, two red cards in this game as well. The keeper for Fiorentina and then Zaniolo, his first game must be his first start in like eighteen months. I think he had back to back ACLs. I think. Yeah, he certainly had one last season, didn't he? And he goes and gets himself sent off at the like start of the second half, and he like I think he was booked like twice inside five minutes, wasn't he? He was like it's ridiculous, and there's no argument with that. But it's um he'll have a ban now, but it's um. I mean, Jordan Vertu as well with two lovely goals. They look, they look good, don't they, Roman? Maybe we underestimated them a little bit. They've just brought in Zakaria from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Yeah. Apparently, I don't know how they're convincing these clubs to sell them players because I, I don't know where they're getting their money from. It's, it's a bit ridiculous. I, mean, but... I, I will say with this game, they've played sort of the majority seventy plus minutes against ten men. Um, for me, I I mean, I don't think Fiorentina, I don't think Dragovsky should have been sent off. I don't think he made any contact with Tammy. Um, so I, I think, think he quite fortunate there. I think he made contact, but I certainly don't think it was a red. Tammy's touch was taking him towards a corner flag rather there's than three, towards a goal. Yeah, and there's three defenders yeah. in around and in behind. I, I, I think a red was really harsh there, and, and that's kind of set them up. But so the goals they did they did score were, were very good. Um Tammy Abraham with two assists as well. Uh, he, as you say, he did torment the defense um, and, and was. He, he looks a very good signing. Um, I'm sure he'll he'll really take his game to new heights there. But um, I, I I don't think Fiorentina were as as 
bad as as perhaps it it's made out. I mean, they they did have a lot of possession despite having ten men. They had a lot. Of, they matched in terms of shots on target and and in most of their stats. It was just unfortunate that in the end they didn't quite have the legs to really see see it out having played so long with ten men. And I think as the game wore on, uh, particularly for the for the Roma third goal, they were starting to commit more men forward and just got caught out really. Yeah, I think uh, playing with so long for 10 men, and unjustly as well, I agree that it was never a sending off. Um, no complaints about Zaniolo sending off. I think that was comfortably two yellows. Um, I thought Fiorentina were actually fantastic. The whole game was fantastic. Both both teams played extremely well. Um, I think Roma, um, well, I think Fiorentina were unlucky not to get a point out of it, at least. Um, mm. I think they created, apart from the goals, obviously, which is obviously a big fucking factor. But apart from those, I think Fiorentina created the better chances. They had the better possession. I thought I thought they were very strong and showed some muscle in that game. Um, I think they were a bit, as John said, I think they were a bit tired towards the end and that contributed to the goals being left open at the back. Um, but yeah, uh, if I was a Fiorentina fan, I would not be uh, worried about this season at all. In fact, I'd be looking forward to it a little bit. Cracking goal from Milinkovic as well for Fiorentina, who... Um... Was obviously on almost on the verge of joining Tottenham and West Ham um, a week or two ago, but cross in and he, he controlled it with one foot and volleyed it with with his left foot. It's a, a wonderful goal from a centre back. Um, massive credit to him for that. Yeah, it was a really it was a really uh, cracking finish that was. There's some move on to another game with a, a red card. Uh, Napoli beat New Boys. I suppose we'll come back to Napoli. I'll just quick rundown of how the New Boys get on. They all lost unfortunately, but they all gave really good. Account of themselves. Empoli looked great, I thought, when they when they uh, hosted Lazio. They just had um, too much for them in the end. Gave away a sloppy penalty penalty to make it three one. I think it was tighter than that, really. And then um, Bologna and Salernitana had a um, feisty affair, three two <laughs> Bologna. <laughs> then with nine men in the end, and um, uh, Salernitana also had a so nine against ten. The game finished, but they were. Desperately unlucky not to get a point in that game. Big uh, money signing Arnautovic popping up with uh, a really decent goal in that one to give them the win. And then Venezia lost away at Napoli, Jack. And our pick for Kappa Canonieri, is that it, John? Yeah. Yeah, ish. (laughs) (laughs) We'll go with that. Uh, Oshimen decided that he didn't want to play in August anymore. And got himself sent off after 20 minutes, and he won't be featuring again until oh, probably the middle of September. I think he's got himself an extra two game ban for his horrendous push to the face when it's his centre back. Yeah, he's certainly got less time to get those goals for us, hasn't he? But um, I think we're going to have to agree to disagree here. I think it's more of a push in the chest. I think it's a yellow, and that would do for me. Um, I think he's been dealt with a little harshly there. Um, but obviously you disagree, so it's one of those ones where um, you know you can see why it was given that way, and I hope you can possibly see why I think it shouldn't have. Um, but they still got the win, which is impressive. Um, we know uh, Spalletti's teams like to attack, and they managed to do that even with 10 men and get the uh, the 2-0 victory, which is a good win for them. I mean, I know Spinetzia have just come up, but to do that with 10 men, um, it's, it's an important win. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how Napu look with full complement for 90 minutes because I mean let's be honest they made hard work of this they missed Lorenzo Insigne with a horrendous penalty before the defender decided to give another go five minutes later um, <laughs> which he slotted away and then uh, who was it that scored the El Mas scored a, a decent goal as well but they weren't it didn't have the characteristics of it, that Spalletti sides that we know that free flowing attack in football but I suppose there's time there but yeah, I, th- I thought Venezia were, were pretty good actually for a, a, a new team in the uh, in the league. They look good in those kits, don't they? <laughs> oh yeah, they, yeah they did. Can't their third kit as well, listeners? Take a look. I think I think it may still be available. I'm not sure, but um, it won't be for absolutely, long. No, yeah, absolutely, yeah, it won't <laughs> won't be for long. That's that's for sure. Now, if only um, their defenders can learn to uh, keep their arms behind their back in the penalty area, yeah, and, uh, they've got a chance to stay this year. Yeah, I even think, even uh, how those sides will do. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, there's so, uh, obviously Caldara gave away the first penalty on loan from Milan. I'm not sure he's uh, he's earning that uh, that transfer just yet. But hopefully is that permanent? Can, uh, that one? No, loan per- with option. So 
Yeah, we uh, gets to live in really Venice, doesn't he? It's, just nice <laughs> it's yeah. worse places. Absolutely. Um, and the uh, let's just run through the the remaining fixtures really quickly. So there was a two-two draw today, Monday, as we record this, um, between Cagliari, Milan's opponents next week, and Spezia. With them, um, uh, Spezia were two 0 up in that game. I didn't watch it, John. You said it was a right ding dong affair. Um, I caught I caught the tail end, and there was um, there was some. They were both giving it a good go, and there was some real controversy about the uh, the final equaliser. Um, Jao Pedro converting a penalty for uh, for Cagliari, but in the build up to uh, to that, Spezia were attacking, and um, I can't I, I can't remember who it was, but uh, Spezia attacker ran through on goal and had his had his ankle clipped and went down. Referee waved play on. Cagliari broke, attacked the far end, and they um, legitimately uh, won a penalty. VAR decided that the Spezia one should not be given and the Cagliari one should and uh, it's 2-2 as opposed to 3-1 which I think it should have been and uh, and that's how it finished. Yeah, a decent game there between um, the two sides probably looking for a top half finish I suppose this season will be the aim for, for them and um, two, two remaining fixtures uh, and probably one of the, the more boring encounters which you don't really think about with the uh, Atalanta, they scored, well, they did what Atalanta do, scored an incredibly late winner, 94th minute, I think it was. But um, check out Muriel's opener in that game, absolute barn, brilliant strike from about 30 yards, smashes in the top corner. And then there was another um, ding gong affair in um, Verona as well, who uh, lost 2 3 to Sassuolo. And I want to ask you this one, Jack, before we move on to a quick update on the fantasy football. Uh, why has no one bought Mattia Zakangi yet? Because he's clearly <laughs> top class. Yeah, he absolutely is. I have no idea. Is basically my short answer to that question, um, and it'd probably be my long one as well. Um, maybe money. I don't know how much um, Verona would be asking for him, um, but they could certainly demand a lot. I think he's uh, one of the best wingers in the league, and I mean, we discussed it in the first part um, of this. It's a position they definitely. Uh, Milan could definitely use strength in. Yeah, I'd absolutely love it if they brought him. I mean, I can't see it, but it'd be amazing if they did. It's an interesting one, really, because he he's been in Verona for a number of years now, but he's only really broken through in the nineteen twenty season. Um, it's it's he, he's twenty six now, so he wasn't like an early. Uh, he, he wasn't like a young player, young player who broke through and and struggled with the limelight or anything. It, it, it's come to him a little bit late, but. I just wonder if Verona are priced them out of a move, perhaps off such limited experience. Um, two full seasons of top-flight football, and I mean he is showing some some great signs, but you know perhaps that isn't quite enough to convince, um, particularly the, the the amount of international owners who won't. He's obviously not a name like a big international name to uh, to spend the money that they that uh, Verona are looking for. Yeah, absolutely, and Verona are richer for keeping him. That's for, that's for sure. If they can hang on to him with a week to go in the market, um, right then, gents, quick update on fantasy football. Then before we move on to our Cagliari preview in the uh, the next part of the show, um, we have created a league for the pod listeners. I'll tweet out the code if you wish to uh, join in. You're more than more than welcome to do so. You can even if you haven't signed up yet, doesn't matter. You can sign up. We are hardly running running away, running away with it in the overall stats, so <laughs> you won't be too far behind. But um, essentially, Jack is ahead of me with John last, so it shows that experience of the league means nothing. And um, but unfortunately, Jack has been disqualified, and I am winning because he has interplayers in his squad, and that Outrageous. is unacceptable. And majority rules on this podcast because we are democracy. <laughs> And John and I have decided that you are disqualified. So <laughs> there we go. So um, this is the first. To, to this is the first time ever. The first time I've ever been any good at fancy football. No, yeah. until you until you transfer those players out, none of your points will count. Shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I'm currently winning. So good news on that front, listeners. In my defence, in my defence, I did. There is no defence. There is no defence. Three. There's three in defence. Full complement. Absolutely gracious. <laughs> I, I, I did pick Osman as my captain to try and help you out. To be fair, yeah. So I had him in. I didn't have him as captain, boy. Did, I had him <laughs> and he was on the bench. So there we go. Shows what I know um, of that one. But um, 
So can, so can you do in bits for me? So keep it up, Mattia. Um, right, listeners, we'll uh, we'll take a quick break now, and we'll be uh, back in a minute with um, some Cagliari trivia to get the uh, get you get your minds racing. Brahim Diaz was enough. They make it six consecutive Serie A clean sheets. They start with a victory. It's three in a row. Away Welcome back, everyone. Seven. You're listening to Three Men in Milan. Right then, let's look ahead to the next fixture. It's Cali- Cagliari at home, and um, obviously that'll be at the San Siro, and we will have fans in attendance. Gents. Hallelujah! I know it's going to be. I'm, I've I've never been to Milan or the San Siro, but I'm weirdly excited to watch a game with <laughs> fans there. It's like this, uh, I mean, to be honest, you could tell the difference today away from home. It's just. The players feed off the crowd. It's so much better. It's an incredible yeah. experience. Um, a, a jump in San Siro is is phenomenal, and uh, hopefully, I know it's fifty percent capacity at the minute. Um, obviously, the sooner we, we get that back up to, uh, to towards a hundred, the better it'll be. I went about uh, ten years ago. I think it might have been the last title winning season, maybe this season before actually. And um, yeah, it was absolutely. Pounding like the flares going off, bangs in the stadium, fans cheering, flags going. One of the best atmospheres I've ever been to. And ten years ago, like the stadiums were nowhere near full. Imagine that with a, a full stadium. Yeah, it's um something to, something to look forward to. That's for sure. Right then, so we've got Cagliari next week, gents. So that means Cagliari trivia for this week's uh, yeah podcast. I have, <laughs> I, unfortunately, I found a flaw in this new section of trivia in that I don't know what we're going to do for the second half of the season. But um, <laughs> <laughs> We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Do it, do it again. You should know what I was thinking. Have you remembered? That was what I was thinking. Have you remembered what's going on? Or not? I bet you I'll remember one team and the record will have changed. <laughs> that would be that would be fantastic, but okay. So Cagliari, they play in which stadium? Any answers? The Cagliari Municipal Stadium. I don't think you're that far away. Actually, <laughs> to be honest, they currently play in Unipol Domus, which is a temporary stadium because their old stadium, the Stadio Sant'Elia, um, was uh, demolished in 2017. They played there for 47 years from 1970 and they're building a new stadium on this current ground uh shortly i think obviously that has been postponed due to covid which is pretty understandable when you think about it but yeah i was thinking if any of you caught that i was like considering it's like temporary i knew well. that yeah, exactly. <laughs> didn't give him so a chance wasn't, Thanks, wasn't given the opportunity <laughs> yeah. So good, some, good quiz, good quiz, mastering. Nil, nil. <laughs> this is trivia, not quiz. It's different. <laughs> okay, well, I'll give you, I'll give you first punt on this one, then, John, because you obviously know your Cagliari law more than I thought. <laughs> in the um, all-time record appearance holder, I'll, I'll, my guess, I think for this one, um, so I know there was a player who left Milan, and he spent a long time at Cagliari. Before before moving on, and he's the uh, the unfortunately um, departed Davide Astori. I'm going to go with João Pedro, as I don't know much about Cagliari. Both incorrect, unfortunately. So for it is uh, Daniele Conti. He had uh, any. He was a. I believe he came through Roma, and then spent uh, a decade or so in. Cagliari. I think he even stayed with them when they got relegated and got them back up. Any anyone want to have a guess at how many appearances he's made? Uh, Three hundred and thirty-five. I'll go. Well, I'm pretty sure um, a story was there for at least. Uh, well, I thought it was. I thought it was close to like ten years. So I'll go with four hundred and fifty. One. <laughs> so Conte made four hundred and sixty-four. Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. So yeah, that is a that is a decent crack at that. Um, according to the a story, made 174 appearances for um, league appearances. That is, I should say, just on a quick Google. And Jair Pedro beats that with 218 appearances. Wow. So um, uh, he's been there. God, he's been there nearly 18 years. Pedro, uh, 18 years, eight years. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> how's he only made 200? <laughs> yeah. No, a bit of a. So, but yeah, no, he, um, youth team player at Roma, Conte, and then a turn of the century moved to Cagliari, and he didn't stop playing there until 2015. So wow. it's a 
yeah, a lot of a club club legend there. So, uh, goal scorer now. We've got all time record goal scorer. What position? What position did Conti play in? I, th- I think he was a uh, box box midfield player, but don't. Oh. After uh, after that number of appearances, I'm going to go for João Pedro. Yeah, I'll go João Pedro. Uh, you can't go for the same as me. Well, I was going to go for it anyway. <laughs> You're both wrong, so it's irrelevant. <laughs> oh, Conti, I'm going for Conti. No, it's not. It's some. Uh, it is uh, European Cup winning Italian striker Luigi Riva. The as in the Europe European Championships. Luigi Riva. He uh, scored 201 goals in 367 appearances for wow. Cagliari. That's incredible. What a record! Yeah, incredible, uh, incredible record. Yeah, and um, just for so we can clear up Pedro. Currently has 71 league goals, so he's a little bit far behind. If you count the cups, he's probably got a little bit more than that. I actually think about nine. So he's got, where is it here? 75. 75 goals for Cagliari in total. But he is more of a, well, what is it? Cam striker. He's a bit of a, he kind of does both. Doesn't he? So he's um still a decent return. Um, a bit of an easier one then now then, gents. Where did they finish last season? I wish he hadn't said this was an easy one. <laughs> easier were... one, to be fair. <laughs> They were battling. Um, um, got a five percent chance just making one number. <laughs> I'll, I'll they were battling relegation for fourteenth. They're in the room. I think they got out though. I don't think they were there right at the end of the season. I think they were quite safe. Oh, see, I was going to go seventeenth, but now I think that's too low. I'll go sixteenth. Oh, Crosby with a point there, sixteenth. Oh. I thought they did better. So, yeah, sixteenth in the end. I think. Um, I don't know. I don't. I won't tell you who finished seventeenth because it might be the week after Santa. <laughs> there, there we go. But I know that obviously Benevento Bene, Bene were relegated in eighteenth, weren't they? And that was a big fight towards the end. So it was. A, oh, I think it. I think it might have been Torino actually, wasn't it? Because there was that game that was a dead rubber, oh. if I remember correctly. Um, so, yeah, sixteenth in the end, and finally, best ever finish in Serie A for Cagliari. I think I know this one. I'll let John go first. Um, I can't imagine they've won Serie A. I will Russia. go for seventh. I think they have won Serie A. I think I've done a quiz before of like on Sporkle or something, and it's like name teams that have been in the European Cup, and they were one of them from Italy. Uh, you are correct. So this is a wow. un- this is a smashing victory for Crosby this round. <laughs> Cagliari trivia goes to Crosby, whereas uh, Sampdoria was yourself, John. Um, any picks? On, I was going to say, what do you want to have a guess? Oh. At what year before we move on? I have no idea. I'm going to say fifties. Uh, no, like a bit they, bit later than that. Sixties. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Technically, Bonus they won it sixty nine seventy. So they won it in nineteen seventy. <laughs> so um, Bonus point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? Because you still, you still lose. So <laughs> <laughs> that was fine. But yeah, if, I didn't if it comes either. down to point difference at the end of the season, I'm debating that one. Yeah, but the uh, the goals of uh, Reaver, I think, firing them to that title in in uh, in 1970. So uh, another team with one league victory under their belt, just like Sampdoria last week. But um, to the most recent edition of this Cagliari side, then they are travelling to San Siro on Sunday, the 29th of August. Uh, it's a quarter to eight kickoff here in the UK, quarter to nine, of course, in Milan. And as always, as it's a league fixture, they'll be on BT Sport in the UK and CBS Sports or Paramount Plus for our American listeners. Um, Jack, of course, we just heard they finished 16th last year. They brought in Leandro Semplici. Uh, in February, as they looked dead and buried, didn't they? They brought them in to save them. It worked. And they'll be looking to kick on this season, won't they? Yeah. Um, I don't know realistically how high they will finish. Um, there are like teams like Sampdoria and Fiorentina, even Torino, who should have done better than last year. Um, Verona as well. Um, so there's a lot of teams that were down there that um, would fancy their chances of moving further up. Uh and they were in a relegation fight. Maybe this year they can avoid that. They've certainly got the goals up front, as we just mentioned with Jao Pedro. Although I obviously fully got more, but um, yeah, it's not a. They have improved the team, I think. Yeah, I mean, as Jack says, there, John, their squad is littered with talent. When you think about it, I mean, some of it aging. Admittedly, you've got Godin at the bank. We've mentioned Pedro a couple of times already this podcast. They've got a great midfield in 
Nandez and the newly acquired Kevin Strootman, who had his best years of his career in Serie A as well, obviously cursed by injury, unfortunately, for him. I mean, when you look at that squad, they shouldn't be relegation candidates again this season. No, no. And I think um, a lot will hinge on Nandez, I think, because there's links with him uh, going to the Premier League, going to Tottenham. Um, for some some big money, which could potentially, if they if it, the deal's done in time to allow them to reinvest, could be very good. But you know, equally, you don't want to be left without one of your best players at the back end of the window. Um, Streetman came in; he had a decent year last year at Genoa. Um, he managed a lot of games, which is more than can be said in recent years. Um, certainly since going back to his Roma days, he's he's really struggled for for match time. Um, and as as you say. You know, there's still, unfortunately, that heavy reliance on Chiao Pedro up front. So I think the key for them is is spreading the goals around a little bit more um, and having more play, more players really chip in because they do have some, some good attacking players. Giovanni Simeone, for example, who, who really should be contributing more. But at the moment, so much is falling on Pedro's shoulders and it, it's, it should be a fairly simple task to, to stop him. And if you stop him, you stop Cagliari at the minute, which is not the best way to be. But, you know, they, they've certainly got some good options. And as you say, there's some, some good players in that squad. But they just, uh, I, think, I think they need a bit, more, a bit more attacking quality in there to really step up and, and kick on into the mid-table positions. Yeah, agreed. And with that being said, Jack, when Cagliari last came to the San Siro, which was the penultimate game of last season... Um, Milan and them stunk up the place. Yeah, we, <laughs> terrible nil-nil draw. We were um, calling uh, for Pioli's head then, weren't we? And I think they'd just yeah. be in Torino seven. Was it seven nil? Or seven seven nil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they they needed the three points and they to qualify for the Champions League, having to go to Bergamo. Yeah. <laughs> and play Atalanta. We obviously it ended all's well that ends well. Sort of <laughs> At the time, we were pretty annoyed, if I remember. <laughs> obviously, that podcast is still available, listeners. If you want to. I don't know if you're a bit of a sadist and you want to go back to that. <laughs> um, but um, the concern is, for from a Milan point of view, is that they're obviously largely the same, same squad, largely uh, the same management, same tactics. They're going to go, that works, let's just do that and try and catch them on the break again. However, we do have that X factor of a home crowd and no pressure of a Champions League finish this time round. Do you think that's going to turn the tide in Milan's favour or do you think this is going to be a bit of a tricky fixture? Um, the home fans, uh, I think at the start of the game, will get behind them. But if they perform like they did tonight, the second half, they'll start getting a bit nervy and you'll hear that. You'll hear the groans when something doesn't quite go right. Um, so whilst having the fans back is a big plus from the start, I think if you, if you aren't on your, the top of your game, it can sometimes um, turn against you. Cagliari will be keen to shut the crowd up and, and frustrate Milan as I did uh, a few months ago. Having said that, I think Milan have the quality to win this, um, get ahead early. I think uh, with uh, Giroud, I think with Diaz, he's a nippy player around the edge of the box and Cagliari are going to sit deep. Um, he can create chances out of very little space, very tidy little dribbler. Uh, so um, Benacer, hopefully those minutes tonight are bringing them back to full fitness. So, yeah, I think um, Milan certainly have what it takes to get ahead early and maybe win this by two or three goals. All right, then, John. J- Jack's put us in prediction mode with that <laughs> sort yeah. of, that segue. So, what have you got for the first home game of the season? Um, walk us through any changes you see to the starting eleven. because let's be honest, nine or ten of them are going to be... It's going to be the same performers this week, barring any illness or injury. Is there any changes you'd make Yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously early days and, and we're, we've literally just watched the match finish um, an hour or two ago. I think the one change that they may look to make um, will be in that in that double pivot if uh, Benacer is su- uh, sufficiently fit enough to, to replace Krunic. I think that'll be a big plus. Um, but I don't really see any changes to the rest of the team barring the introduction of an incredible game-changing player. Um, I think defensively we were solid. I wouldn't change any of the back four of the goalkeeper um, in attack. I mean, arguably Rebic could potentially come in, but I think Leo played really well. Um, and I think 
against a team that's going to sit as deep as Cagliari are likely to do at San Siro. I think you need a Giroud, you need a target man, a big, you know, a big strong striker to potentially try and hold the ball up because there won't be a lot of space in behind. So it's pointless kind of going with a Rebic or a Liao as, as that striker to, to look for the space because there just won't be any. Um, Florenzi, I, I, he's probably still short a minute. So I don't think he's ready to come in just yet. So yeah, I, I'd expect either an unchanged team or, ju- or just the one in in Krunic dropping out. But um, looking at previous meetings between the two sides, I, I think Milan have only lost one of the last 12 meetings, um, which was uh, a, 2-0 loss, a 2-1 loss Sorry, in um, 2017. So at home, I think fairly strong and barring the 0-0 last season, it's been wins all the way going back to 2015. So I do think, um, I do feel Milan will will come out of this on top. I will stick my neck on the line and go for a 2-0 win. I'm going with 3-0. I said 2 or 3, I'm going 3. All right. (laughs) And just to be the joke in the pack, because I thought 3-0 as well, I'm going to say 4-1. So there we go. I'm going to say 4-1 for that one. I completely agree with John. I think Benacer comes back in and um, it's an unchanged team apart from that, but we should hopefully get another three three points and uh, start this mini section before we hit the international break inexplicably after two games <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, with, uh, with two victories out of two. So uh, hopefully that is the case. Uh, that wraps up this episode of uh, Three Men of Milan. Listeners, we'll be back next week to do, to see how we get on against Cagliari in the opening home fixture. And also we'll be discussing at length the little matter of our Champions League group, which could possibly be the group of death when we look at who we could get. But uh, we could also get very lucky in that one as well. So uh, we'll see who Milan get as they are in pot. Four. Um, of course, you can follow us on social media. Our Twitter and Instagram handle is at Three Men and Milan Pod. Um, tweet is your if you've got any of the trivia answers right, listeners. If you did any better than Jack or John, and um, uh, also let me know if I got any of them wrong because some of these statistics are quite hard to come by <laughs> as well. <laughs> but, um, uh, but I'm sure I'm pretty sure all these ones are right. But yeah, let us know if you've got any of them right, and if um, if you're new, if it's the first time listening please subscribe and uh, leave us a review. It's really helpful with all the analytics and the algorithms and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Gents, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. Thank you very much, Jack. Thank you. And thank you very much, John. Thank you. And thank you for listening and forcing the line.